You're listening to Fucks Given, the one about porn addiction. Oh, hi, Reed. Hi, Florence. We're we're opposites today. Oh my god, I cannot believe how we have coordinated our outfits so well without discussing it beforehand. We are in each other's minds. Scissors sisters. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on YouTube or you're seeing it with your eyeballs on YouTube, then you'll be able to see that I'm in a black hoodie with a yellow thing on it and readers in a yellow hoodie with a black thing on it. Ridiculous. How ridiculous. Love that. Little things. How are you, Florence? I am pretty good, I would say. Nice. The rain has finally stopped out here in LA. Obviously, a British person has to do a bit of a weather forecast. So yeah, the, the sun is sun is out in Los Angeles, which has been game-changing for my mood. But I did get into a bit of a low spot over the weekend thinking about my dude um, and everything that went down there. I've just started feeling so much anger towards him because I'm like, what the actual fuck? Oh my God, I do have an update because this has not only happened to me. There have been guys all around the world, and in particular, two of them in LA and one of them in London, that have been so head over heels for their female partners or new like flings, people that they've been dating, have been like doing everything. Um, My friend in London, some guy was getting her like care packages when she was ill and he was like chasing her for ages because he was really into her. Yeah. And my friend also over here was dating someone pre-Christmas. Then the boys go home for Christmas time and something happens and they come back and they're not interested anymore. And they're just like, the spark's gone. The connection's gone. Nothing's here anymore. Something switches. When my friend told me this the other day, I was like, what the actual fuck? So this has just happened to me. And my friend told me that he literally did this to someone. You know what? I'm raising my hand. It, it, it's not just the men. There is something about Christmas time. I have heard of so many breakups around this time. Something about spending time with family, something about like seeing that kind of like unit or like not having the family. It either like triggers some kind of commitment issue or it just like... Does it reset your values? Like makes you aware of what you actually want in a family because you're seeing a family or maybe maybe it's just like a whole like new year, new me thing. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I've been... I know leading up to Christmas is so stressful. So I think that can play a huge part. This has been rolling around in my head because I've just been so confused about my situation because one, like his big thing was always like, I'm not attracted to you anymore. And then I was like, but his whole thing right at the beginning of when we started seeing each other, like his first message to me on field was, I'm so attracted to everything about you. I think it's very possible he felt that at the time that he said it. I can't imagine it being a lie, but something changes. Yeah. So I've got a mini update and this is fascinating and I've been so excited to tell you. Um, Yeah. So one of my friends... At the, at the ripe old age of 30, had a wet dream. Is that not normal? You know what? I don't have a penis, so I'm not 100% sure. But I think wet dreams only really happen through adolescence and teenagers. But then also, if you have a penis and you have a sexy dream, then sometimes you might come. Do you have a wet... So <clears throat> we, he looked this up and the, the strange thing was is that he had sex before he slept as well. So he had oh. sex and then during the night he he had a wet dream and and he thinks it's because he's um not smoking weed anymore and going through like the vivid dream stage. Oh yeah, cuz you stop dreaming when you're on weed. Yeah, you do, yeah. And then when you when you stop smoking weed, you get all the dreams back and it's like Fuck. like it's crazy if you have and intense dream. and exciting. Chloe from Too Hot to Handle when I was on her podcast admitted to having wet dreams herself. She orgasms in her sleep. Yes, I, I do the same, but I just didn't, you know what, maybe it's not that unusual because I definitely have had orgasms in my sleep and felt pleasure in my sleep. I think it's amazing that dreams can be that powerful yes. that they make you 
ejaculate. Yeah. Some of, uh, like, I love weird sex dreams. I always have. I think one of the earliest yeah. I remember was like fucking my my friend who was a female on the stairs and she had a penis and I told her and she was like Whoa. oh that's weird and I was like it, it's just a dream man it's just a dream it's, it's just, just my dream. my brain just fucking around <gasps> my other latest one that I had was like with my best friend and we were on the sofa and we had two alien octopuses on our pussies individually basically like sucking and eating our pussy right and and we were I remember in the dream being like trying to cover myself because I was like people are walking around and I can't believe I'm like I've got all this pleasure and people are like potentially going to know. (laughs) Yeah, it just, you know, dream logic, right? Where it just feels so normal. You wake up like, that was fucking weird. Yeah. I was dreaming about fucking my ex last night. Oh my God. I actually just Mm. had the vision of what the dream was. And it was like, everyone was in this huge, like breath work ceremony in like a giant hall. And instead of doing like what I was supposed to be doing, I was like rubbing my ex off. Mm. yeah but I did you know I did I have to put my hands up I masturbated to the thought of him before I went to sleep (laughs) (laughs) fucking hell man I'm stuck for who to think about at the moment because yeah I'm not thinking about my dude fuck my dude so Mm -hmm. the one before that was my ex some oh god sometimes we need it sometimes we need like a, a, a to relive a fantasy but as long as it's not giving you that like the dopamine fix where it's not allowing you to f- like actually move on from them because your brain's so. gonna still be relating safe. that with like positive okay as long as you think it's safe then it's probably safe but it's being aware that imagining them like that could could not might might not be good I mean, man supposed to do we'll put that one up to the curious but oh i saw a curious fucker in my gym today so cute had a proper chat with her she was lovely and and at the restaurant i was at last night (gasps) at the restaurant at last night she was honestly so sweet and bumped into her in the toilets and she was like i've been listening to your podcast and your stuff since i was 14 and now i'm 18 and she's like i'm in a long-term relationship and my boyfriend is like how did you learn how to be so communicative and like understanding and she was like this podcast and i was like give me a cuddle you're amazing fucking incredible i love the curious fuckers so much so much it just it just made me feel like we're doing the right thing we're doing good we've got to keep doing it if it just makes somebody feel safe at that age especially when they're just so lost and confused and can fall into shitty situations like fuck me we're doing we're doing it right all of the shit that we've been through last year is worth it for that oh my god yes and curious fuckers just whilst we're on the subject please do subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already give us a yes. rating and a review because you don't know how much it helps and yeah. the podcast at the moment needs your help now more than more ever more than ever yeah please follow Spread our twitter uh instagram and word of mouth is the best way to get our podcast out there so send it to yeah. a friend send it to a partner send it to a colleague anyone yeah. that might enjoy this just like send them a little cheeky episode and see if they like it yeah. honestly and it means so much we have a fucking amazing facebook group which now has over 800 people in it which i think is <gasps> fucking crazy because it was only that just created crazy. like a few months back last year yeah and yeah, so the link is in the description of the podcast. So make sure you join the Facebook group. I will approve you. And yeah, you can be part of the community and all their conversations in there, which are fucking amazing. And everyone's from everywhere yes. as well, which is yeah, so cool. Yeah, all over the world. So cool. Well, without further ado, we are going to get our guest on, Courtney, who has had a porn addiction and we cannot wait to talk to her all about it. Let's yeah. get her down. Hi, Courtney. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. Please tell our curious fuckers a bit about yourself and who you are. Hello, people. Uh, my name is Courtney Daniela Boating. I am um, a content creator, a digital entrepreneur. Uh, I just love to use the internet for positive impact. And I create trans 
transparent, uh, very real content around lifestyle and well-being. And I am the co-founder of a digital sisterhood community called To My Sisters. Um, I co-founded that with my best friend. We have authored our debut debut book, which is coming out March 9th, <gasps> which is all about hey, thank you. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's all about um sisterhood and building genuine friendships and lifelong friendships um with Amazing. the people in your life as well as kind of seeing our personal development as something that we do not just for romantic love but also for the yes. people in our lives. we we were literally talking about this. Like it's so mm. easy for us to create romantic and sexual connections, but when it's platonic, it is fucking Hard. hard yeah facts. what if yeah. you didn't facts. have like the really big friend group when you were younger then you have yeah. to like go into your adult life of thinking like okay like now it's really hard to make friends yeah. like how are we supposed yeah. to make those connections outside no one teaches yeah. us we just we just no like learn us. to be like sexual flirty beings but when it's like right. but you want to hang out but without fucking it's like just don't even <laughs> I know, know what to, to do that. say yeah yeah well, what's the name of the that's book? exactly to my sisters a guide to building lifelong friendship Beautiful. Um, so definitely pick it up and it's all about that we want that kind of companion companionship but how about being genuine and vulnerable and all the things that you still have to do in a relationship but you know it's the friendship aspect of a romantic relationship and it's cultivating those friendships with other women so yeah definitely pick it up it's like the sex part breaks all that down so you feel like yes. you can be more vulnerable but without yes. the sex part like being naked how with each other it? then yeah how yeah. do you do it yeah oh yeah. that's incredible nice work i've recently been going on a lot of like friend hangs like mm, new friend yeah. hangs and in one of them some i felt like some of the questions that i was asking or the things that i was saying felt very like datey and it yeah. was it was a very like confusing space to be in because <laughs> i was like yeah like you know i love road trips and like doing all these things and i've always wanted to go on all these adventures and she was like yeah oh my god me too and yeah. in my head i was like but I want to do that with a partner, with not, partner. not with a friend. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But and like, it's, like, it's I... still very exciting. Like, and I'm very confused about this whole conversation now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do I, do I fancy you? Like what is happening yeah. right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're having this connection that I thought I would have on a date date. <laughs> yeah. I, I find yeah. the same. When I, when I meet someone new, especially if they're a platonic female it's almost like I get obsessed with them but in a non-sexual way and I can't yeah. tell if I like am genuinely attracted to them or if I'm just obsessed because I want to be friends it's such a confusing space it's so, so yeah. confusing need all the hell we can get mm. fuck well yeah, definitely I'm, pick up the book I will yeah. yes, I fucking definitely. will because I'm definitely in that space but anyway we're not here to talk about adult friendships even though that's no. actually a great subject for a podcast yeah, we yeah. Should yeah. maybe we I'll come back yeah yeah maybe we come you come back and we talk about that because we need like all the tips but we're here to talk about porn yes porn and porn addiction and your journey can you fill us in with sort of your journey with porn yeah so i released this video on my youtube channel um in 2020 and it was basically detailing that i had had a porn addiction for about 10 years um and that was from the age of about nine ten years old till 1920 um, when i was in university and it was a very interesting video because I wasn't expecting it to take off. Like I thought, oh, this is going to be like, people are going to find this shocking um, because, you know, it's the pandemic and people may be able to relate to it. But if anyone knows me, they know that this is going to be quite a surprise. Like this is quite off brand. For yeah. Me. We don't um, shout it from the rooftops, do you? The rooftops, do you? Exactly. You keep quite hidden yourself. and the shame. Exactly. Yeah. There was definitely that element of, I'm a bit scared that people will kind of view this and think, Huh? Like <laughs> this doesn't make sense about you. Um, and to my absolute surprise, the video like took off and is like close to a million views now, I guess three Ooh, years later. Yes. Yeah. So it's weird because it's my most viewed video and it's like now people know me as the porn girl. Like they know me as the uh, she had a porn addiction. <laughs> so so when I meet people outside, they're like, Oh yeah, I saw I saw that video. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Don't worry. I'm, on the I'm jumping. <laughs> I'm jumping too far. But do you feel like people f- would fetishize you and go, "Oh my god, that means we can watch porn together"? 
we need to talk about that, Breed. Yes. We need yes. to talk about that. You're in your journalism Oprah bag because that <laughs> is a good question. Um, so let me tell the story, then we'll get to that bit. Yes, so yeah, yeah we'll um, put that video out there, got loads of views, and then you know, it started this really big conversation on my channel, as well as like in different um you know, little corners about pornography and women's relationship with pornography, because a lot of the times, like you guys rightfully mentioned, you hear about pornography addiction from a male perspective. And here I was yeah. like, you know, a black woman who's a Christian, like I was very much open about all these other sides of me. And I was like, oh, but this is also a very valid side of me and a part of my story and something that I want to share my learnings um, about. So yeah, I started watching pornography when I was about nine years old old, nine, 10 years old. And it was purely out of curiosity. So I love the name of your, your podcast like network. Like I'm curious. I think it was purely out of curiosity and I was kind of looking for sex education. Uh, you know, I had gotten to that age puberty, you know, you start feeling a little bit of things, your beef start coming in a bit and the boys in school kind of like you, you like them. Mm -hmm, You're starting to feel sexual attraction, you know, and I wanted to know what is sex and I couldn't really go to my parents about it and so I was just like the internet you know wise idea <laughs> and you know <laughs> you know I'm an audio visual learner what harm could it do so I was like okay yeah videos about sex what yeah. are videos about sex pornography and then mm-hmm. I found it and I was like oh you know, I know something inside of me knows I shouldn't be watching this, which is why I'm going to hide it from my parents, but something inside mm-hmm. of me likes watching this. So I'm going to keep yeah. watching it. Yeah. And then before I realized it, it became hard to tell myself I won't watch it. And I think it wasn't until maybe I was 16 that I realized I can't stop watching this. Like this yes. is, I will cancel oh. plans to watch this. I will stay in for hours watching this. I would, this is my life and I like this and I'm using it to drown out pain, different kinds of emotions. And this is my life now. And yes. I did that until, until it mm-hmm. became a coping yeah. mechanism. Coping yeah. mechanism, big, big time. And mm-hmm. I've always been quite a self-aware person. So I was honest with myself about that. The fact that like, you know, this, this something that started off recreationally has now become, uh, a bad habit and not just a bad habit, but something I can't live without. And why am I doing it? And I kind of investigated myself enough and I was like, because this helps me medicate my pain. You know, I don't smoke, I don't Mm. drink, I don't do drugs. This is my opium of choice. What was it that the the podcast, what was it that the porn (laughs) was giving you? A release. It felt like a release of stress and frustration and tension. Um, and it escapism. was very much escapism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was very much an escape from my reality. Um, and it and allowed, it allowed me as somebody with a vivid imagination as well. It allowed me to be immersed in something else that wasn't my present reality that yeah. made me feel, even if it was for a brief moment, wanted, loved, in control, um, euphoric even dopamine kicks like everything everything I was on cloud nine even if it was Mm -hmm. for a split second and I started to live for that moment even if I you know had the worst day and I was depressed I was anxious and these are legitimate things I went through whilst I was in sixth form so about 16 to 18 years old um I could go home and watch porn and I knew at least for a moment in the day there would be a release from that feeling even yeah. if I, I hit the ground again at least I was living for that moment you know and yeah. that became something that I would tell myself no I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop and then I'd be like nah no I don't want to uh, until I got to about 18 uh yeah November 2015 and I was like um I had just you know had this kind of moment in my personal development where I decided to become a Christian and I was like okay you know what this is something that I know doesn't really go with my Christian journey, but I really want to understand why. Like I've always been a person who asks questions and I didn't want to take anything passively. And I was like, okay, let me, let me understand and reframe my, or start to investigate my relationship with sex, my relationship with my body, my relationship with my intimate partners, um, and kind of start seeing this through this new lens of you know, God and Jesus. And then I started to realize, oh, I have a bad dependence on this. I have a really unhealthy dependence on this. And this isn't 
healthy for me. And this isn't healthy for my partners either. And this isn't the person I want to be. And then, yeah, that's when I was just like, let's call a spade a spade. This is an addiction. And I went through about a year or two where I was kind of like, okay, I'm cutting it out cold turkey. And then like three <laughs> months later, I'd be like, these essays are getting too much or wherever it's Pornhub, like yes, <laughs> we, need to, we yeah. need to do something. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when I started to realize it's more of a coping mechanism than I had thought. Um, yeah. yeah, that was my relationship with it. And after about a two year kind of journey, I wouldn't even call it a battle or anything like that. It was just a journey of learning myself and reframing my relationship with sex that I was like, yeah, I think I can let this go. And I started to understand more about the pornography industry as well. And like the exploitative aspect of it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I actually kind of don't want to, I don't want to use this anymore. What would you say porn addiction looks like from the outside? You know, there might be people listening, like, do I have a porn addiction or do I just really enjoy porn? What would, what would you say be the difference? Do other people see it as well? Or is it just like an internal thing? Right. So I'm, I mean, I'm definitely like not a a psychologist or like can diagnose anything and anything. So even when I call it an addiction, I do think like it's valid for people to question, okay, was it an addiction? Did you just like it a bit too much? And so I think what I I noticed was one, I'm a very high functioning person. And so it wasn't like I wasn't getting anything done. It was just the way I was balancing my time. Pornography was a bit more of a priority to me. So the time that I should be spending, maybe writing essays or spending time with family or doing stuff, I'd be like, no, we can squeeze that in somewhere else. So I was, I was highly, um, I was kind of going into overdrive and I was high functioning. Um, and like, I can get an essay done in like two hours. It's like, but why don't you give yourself a week? And it's like, cause I've got other stuff to do. And porn was one of those other stuff, you know? Um, (laughs) and it's like, I think what people, what I saw in myself was an inability to say no like you can really enjoy cake right if someone offers you cake you're like yeah I'm gonna eat it but then when somebody tells you okay you're kind of pre-diabetic and you're like okay but still give me the cake you know then you're like "Uh." there's one thing to like something and know how to have it in moderation and it's another thing to actually not be able to deny yourself the thing especially if your life your life sorry or your mind is on the line and that's what I found with porn even though I knew it was destroying my intimate relationships which I'll come on to next I was still fine with it (laughs) I was just like yeah if the man doesn't like that I watch porn or that our relationship can't be like us having sex like in pornography he can go I'll find someone else you know and that was the next thing I started to realize it wasn't necessarily that anybody around me could notice anything changing me because I've always been a very private person um and like I said I am quite high functioning so I can often act like it I can often act in a way that's contradictory to how I actually feel um which I think most of us do we can mask yeah. really well oh my God. yeah um, fucking yes I feel yeah. that <laughs> Yeah. The other issue was the people who knew me very intimately, i.e. my romantic partners were kind of like, okay, you like sex and you like sex a lot. Nothing wrong with that, but your sexual expectations are ridiculous. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't even care. Yeah. Yeah, Like, like, like what what kind of expectations? For me, experience something like an orgasm whilst I was in a relationship was super hard with a partner. Like, because I know, like for me, pornography was a lot about control and I had learned through pornography and masturbation, the things that I like. And if I don't have that being, if at that time, if I didn't have that exact situation, if I wasn't being touched in that exact way, you couldn't pleasure me. And it was no longer about me being with my partner and learning them and going on a sexual kind of discovery of each other and creating our own sexual chemistry. It was more so me using them as a tool to pleasure me me and if wow, they didn't do yeah. it right I would rather get rid of them and do it myself <laughs> than actually learn them and let them learn yes, me or teach yeah, me something yeah. and have the process and have mm-hmm. that intimacy in our relationship where it's like you know what I'm actually doing this and I'm I'm doing this with you, not just using you. And it became about mm-hmm. me using them. They were mm-hmm. kind of just a bystander in the sexual process and I was just getting very sexually frustrated around them wanting to do things their way or them wanting to do things another way. And I was like, no specific, I, w- I need it to be specific. And it's like, you're using me. <laughs> a lot of my parents, was in control a lot of, my, of your sex life. Exactly. A lot of my partners felt used and it was because I was in a, 
a relationship with two things, them and the porn. And the porn was yes. the priority. Wow. And they were just the avenue and the means. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a lot of how people relate to their partners when they have a toxic relationship with pornography. The pornography is actually the real sex for them, right? What yes. they see and what is, what is triggering in their mind, that sex. What they do with their partner is just a sad attempt at recreating that. And so they often find themselves feeling very disappointed or their partners end up feeling very used and very yeah. controlled. And um, there's a specific word that I'm using for manipulated in, mm-hmm. in an attempt to try and fulfill their fantasies. And it's like, I'm not here to fulfill your fantasy. I'm a, I'm a human being. And if yeah. you're using my, my body and if you're in an intimate relationship with me, I'd expect you to want to go on this journey with me of discovering who I am and letting me discover you rather than trying to make me into your favorite porn star or trying to make me into, you know, a a breathing vibrator. Like I'm not a life-size sex doll. I'm actually a human being. So much of this is hitting so hard right now. (laughs) What was the certain thing that you really wanted from your partners whilst you had that addiction? Was there like a specific thing from the porn that you had learned that you were like, you have to create this one thing? So I feel like... It, it wasn't any one specific thing. It was more so like a sequence of things. Like I want, I had that hyper romanticized, like unrealistic view of sex, which was like, I obviously, I think every woman should experience pleasurable sex, right? But what pleasure looks like differs, especially when you have the same partner for a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. You can't keep, yeah. recre- you know, with pornography, what's wild is you can go to the same sex video and you watch the same sequence of actions and it feels like, the results are always the same. They're always going to come at the end. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. That's what's and going like to happen. it's like loud, explosive Yeah, it's moment. like so yeah. pleasurable. But real life sex is like, nah, sometimes you're tired. Sometimes, you know, you might have hurt yourself. You're a bit, you know, tense from the gym and you can't mm-hmm. do the same positions that you were yeah. doing before. And for me, it was more so, a, I want every sexual experience with you to be as climatic as the last. And it's yes. like, okay, that's good. You're going to be pleasured, but it might not take the same form. And for me, yeah. it was kind of like, like I was kind of insecure in the fact that if that fantasy couldn't be recreated over and over again, I'd kind of think, are you really the one for me? You know, yeah. because pornography oh is a bit more reliable than you. Yeah, I, <laughs> you God, know? I, I, like fucking shots fired. Like I feel so <laughs> deeply Christ. <sighs> yeah. And it, it used to frustrate me because I'd, I'd be thinking, you know, I want you to, I want to, you know, climax every time I want my climax to be like this. I, and I wasn't necessarily thinking about their pleasure. I was more so like, I want to pleasure you as a sign of my attractiveness and my dominance over you. And my, like, it was more, everything about sex was about me. Like it was just about me feeling fulfilled and my pet, my partner's feelings didn't come into my mind whatsoever. I was just like, I don't care about your feelings. (laughs) I I want you to ejaculate and I want it to be because you are, you find me so desirable. Yeah. I'm just, I'm fulfilling the sexual, I'm the porn star. Oh, Florence, thank you. I am the (laughs) porn star. Like I'm fulfilling. No, thank you for putting language to that. I'm fulfilling my fantasy of now being in what I've watched. Do you get what I mean? And now being the object of somebody's affections. And it's like Mm -hmm. real life sex doesn't work that way. It's two ways, you know, and it can be beautiful. And yes, you should feel desired and it should be pleasurable. Like I also wanted to kind of in having this conversation, like not just with you guys, but in general about porn, like destigmatize this idea that women shouldn't want pleasure and women don't want Mm -hmm. pleasurable sex. Like I want every single woman to experience pleasurable sex that she wants. Every Every single person, every single person should experience it. Instead of just like the ejaculation, which is an orgasm for a lot of men, but a lot of people, especially people with penises, yeah. it's not just about the ejaculation for them. Yes, like, I think exactly. we've, we've been, we've got this twisted idea from exactly. porn that, that men, people with penises only want the cum shot and they don't there really do it. They're just they like a fucking jackhammer else. drill yeah. all the way through. Yeah. It's like, that's, and that's not true. Exactly. And it's, it's another way that I would, and I find that people, because women aren't often allowed the space to talk about their relationship with pornography, people don't often talk about the objectification of men when it comes to sex, yes. especially if they are in a relationship yeah. with a woman who has a relationship <laughs> with porn too, mm-hmm. you know, or with a person that has a relationship with porn. And so I found myself using my partners as object 
as objects, you know, and viewing them as such, even if we weren't in the midst of sexual intercourse, like I just saw them as sexual objects and taking that step away from porn and having to kind of deconstruct my relationship with it meant that I had to start thinking, what does it even mean to really have a partner? You know, especially now that like I'm a, I'm celibate, right? I have been for about seven years. So a huge drastic change oh, for me. Because wow. I'm just like, now I've got to be in relationships with people and I have to develop a friendship with you. I just want to have sex with you. I that used to be my perspective. <laughs> like, I just want to have sex with you. What are we doing here? Yeah. But now it's like, oh, now I actually have to decide I want to be with someone who I want to be friends with first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Or someone who, you know, can I, do I enjoy your company if we aren't, kissing and having our tongues down each other's throats like do I actually want you around or do I just want to use you and yeah. that deciphering those two things has helped me also navigate romantic relationships and like dating um mm. and yeah yeah that's a whole different tangent that's, yeah, that's kind of like the dilemma of like do you sleep with someone straight away or do you mm-hmm. wait because if you do sleep with them sex 100% changes things and gets in the way of you like actually learning if you really do like this person going back to the fetishization part do you feel that you were fetishizing other men or partners mm-hmm. because maybe you saw them as like they're going to make a good porn star they're going to make they're going to give me the fantasy that i want mm. or is it is it to do with you know how we've got this idea that big dicks are the only thing that's going to give us pleasure because of mm. porn what we view as compatible with us isn't always the truth because of that lack of education right we think that oh i need this size i need this stature I need this kind of thing and it's like body type yeah whatever Mm -hmm. and it's like actually a lot of sexual chemistry isn't even about physics like the physicalities of it all it's actually about connection and emotional connection or something like that depending on the sort of sexual style you like and so I think that for me, I did start to fetishize people and I had a bit of a cookie cutter mentality around who do I actually want? Who do I actually need? Um, and I started to realize in just treating people like human beings, that actually doesn't work like that. Like you can find a connection with anybody and it be so flourishing and so beautiful. But I, I think, I guess back to your earlier question about like, did p- people fetishize me? Yes. When I put that mm-hmm. video out there, I had to take it down. I took, I chose <gasps> to take it down for about a year the video was unavailable to watch Uh, and I put it on unlisted because the amount of nonsense messages I received from men who were like here's a dick pic what position do you like yeah I I think you're super attractive and we can do whatever I can fulfill your sexual trend and it's like a woman can't even be honest about how her relationship with sex and the fact that actually she has a toxic relationship with sex and people even view it as legitimate enough to respect like oftentimes it's kind of dismissed as Oh, so you like sex, huh? And it's like, no, I'm telling you, I have a dysfunctional relationship with sex. I have a dysfunctional relationship with pornography or I have a toxic relationship with these things based on my past. And people will just hear it and think, forget about that part. Forget about your feelings towards it. This is how I feel about that. They misinterpret as an invitation, as like, I am asking for sex. And and I'm sure other people will see that as well and misinterpret and think, you know, other negative things about stereotyping or like the stigma of, well, this woman is clear really just a slut um, yeah. it's, it's yeah. so fucked up like how does this happen it's, the dick pic yeah. thing needs so to they end just find it hot that like a woman watches porn I think they as do. well because yeah obviously it's generally like spoken about as a very like male thing mm-hmm. so when they hear suddenly a woman talking very openly about watching a lot of porn they're like oh my god she's one of us yes yeah, yeah literally Fuck. I think it is a fetish I think it yeah. is you know it, it's a sign that you could kind of do whatever you want with her and she'd be open mm-hmm. to it she's sexually wow. you know that like you were saying like the promiscuity or the mm-hmm. okay she would just love she'd be up for it anytime yeah. any place anywhere she would and it's fuck like, like a porn star that's probably yeah, there exactly we go. what yeah. they're thinking fulfill that's my the fantasy they, she would fulfill my fantasies yeah. and that's when I started to realise if I wouldn't want someone to treat me like this I can't treat my partners like this either yeah. um, 
um, oh and that's what people see when they they hear it. Or I think even when they hear a woman say, "I have a high sex drive," or a, a statement as simple as "I like sex," they think, "Ah, oh, she's gonna be up for it." Like th- this is oh, the girl I'm gonna have God. such amazing sex with, and it's like it mm-hmm. doesn't exempt you from having to learn me, having to love me, having to care for me, having yeah. to, to to fulfill me. Like it doesn't. I don't come as a sex doll. I'm not a sex doll either just because I enjoy sex. And I think people kind of don't appreciate the individualism. They don't appreciate the the intimacy that comes with relationships with you when they hear you like sex, because then all they see is we're going to have great sex. It's like, no, no, we we aren't. (laughs) That isn't guaranteed. Exactly the same experience. Like everything you're saying, ever since we started talking about sex on the internet, we did not start talking about sex on the internet so that men could leer over us. Mm -hmm. But that's what they think. That's why they think that we're doing it, you know? And like from the day one, we started putting things on YouTube. We just get the most vile comments. Just people Um. talking about us sexually, you know, like, I don't know, just even just things like, oh, I would like wife up Florence or I want to bang Reed. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just, and there's been a lot fucking worse than that. Like we've had- I mean, we've had death threats on our YouTube channel for talking yeah. about sex I'm so and sorry like constantly. all of these things, but it's just such a fun, like, it's just a thing. As soon as you're yeah. uh, like a female presenting person talking about sex, you open yourself up to this world of craziness online where people That's, just yeah. objectify you immediately. <sighs> It happens all genders to all genders, I'm sure. But I think the majority, it is men doing this to women. But I, I I know that men get the same thing, especially if they're open about sex or hell. I mean, we do the same if we see someone online and they're like, uh, a relationships coach and we're like wow they're intelligent <gasps> they they could be a really good boyfriend because it means that they're gonna understand me and listen to me and we do it on a much smaller scale and of course we're less like you know we're not going to send a fucking pussy pick their way out of the blue nowhere expecting to get a positive rep- response i'm sure like men do it to other men as well you know um thinking about us especially if you say that you're a sex worker again it immediately immediately opens up oh i'm a sex worker so therefore you think it's okay to to be like well let's make sexual content together you clearly want me for for just sex almost every single time i've ever mentioned only fans to people they're like oh, I've always had this fantasy of like just being there whilst someone's making their OnlyFans content. Or maybe I'll take photos of you. I've always wanted to take photos like that. And like, it's so, they think it's so like genuine. Mm. So my manager, my poor lovely manager sent me an email from an, an anonymous email account, basically being like, I'm 21. I got an eight inch cock. I want to make OnlyFans content with you. And I had to apologize <laughs> my to my resume. manager. It was, but it was like, if it was a resume, it was terrible. There were no pictures. There were no videos. There was like, I was like, you sent this from an anonymous email address. And there's, there's like, that's the, and I was like, I'm so sorry to my manager, Lindsay. I was like, I'm sorry you had to see this. This is just mm. unacceptable. Like, what makes yeah. you think that that's going to work? I don't understand. Well, it's the lack of understanding, the lack yep. of education or the lack yep. of empathy, putting yourself yeah. in your, in that shoe and thinking, how would yeah. you feel if a man emailed you that? You know, no one does that. And you were so brave for putting that video in particular up there because you were talking about a toxic relationship. Yeah, it was tough, especially when I I then started having conversations about my decision to be celibate and my or abstinent um, until I got married. Because then people heard that and they they would be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then you would engage in maybe, you know, pursuing a relationship with them and they would do everything they could to push your boundaries, everything they could. Yeah. to try and kind of trigger and it became almost a challenge like I know Courtney likes sex I know Courtney enjoys sex and even though she's put this boundary in place I'm going to try and provoke that side out of her even though she doesn't want it to be out and That's I'm going to so use that up. as a proof of my masculinity Whoa. a proof of my attractiveness yes. a proof of my ability to have kind of dominance over her and oh it used to God. get on my last nerve because I was starting to be seen as a conquest like yeah, yeah like it very much became hard to kind of decipher are you with me because you're trying to 
have sex with me and break me? Or do you actually want to build a life with me? And yeah, it, it, it kind of closed me off to dating for a while. And I think that was another, like as selfish as it was, another reason why I took the video down because I started to like, you know, open myself up to dating when I talk to men and obviously being a YouTuber, like a bit of a public figure, having a platform, podcast is taking off and stuff. People would go and research, like search my name. And that uh, would be, yeah. cause it's my most watched videos. That's what people would find. And then yeah. it became, you know, I'll be having a conversation. I'll be like, oh, so, you know, tell me about why you chose to go down this industry. And they'll be like, oh yeah. Like, you know, I just wanted to study at a uni. So apparently you really like porn. How did, like, how did you come across that? What's your favorite position? What if, do you oh want to watch porn together? God. And I'm like, say hi to your mum for me. I've got to go yeah jesus wow. people are morons how but that makes so much sense the masculinity part that you were saying it, it, it yeah, seeing it as a challenge and that's just yeah. so fucked up like how yeah. dare you cross boundaries just for your own personal gain a whole bunch of audacity <laughs> although i do think that that video would have helped so many people especially as the topic isn't ever really about women and porn do you think that it's less likely to be addicted to porn if you are a woman or do you think it is just an equal thing, but it's just not spoken about? I mean, statistically, and the thing about statistics is it's skewed, right? Because it could be that yeah. women are as addicted, but they can't come forward because of how much of a taboo is it, it is. But yeah. I think because porn... The majority of porn videos are made from a male perspective, catered to men. So it could also True. be because the industry is so male centric that women don't really feel a relatability towards the majority of porn content. But I think we can see from like the growing amount of female perspective or women's perspective or women like porn made specifically for female audiences. Um, we can kind of see there's an increase in women's usage of pornography as well, yeah. especially as kind of women are experiencing that kind of sexual liberation and they're exploring what that means through different avenues um so i think it, it in terms of cognitively i think we're we're all equally as susceptible to becoming addicted to pornography i think other things come into play in terms of psychologically whether you will become addicted or not but in terms yeah. of being aroused by it maybe finding entertainment in it i think the majority of us are kind of wired in that way if you are somebody who has sexual attractions to people however i do think because of the way society has framed women's relationship with sex it's hard for us to even be honest about if we are struggling with porn or even desiring to watch it in the yeah. first place mm -hmm. i think we talk ourselves out of it a lot more than men do because for men it's seen as a rite of passage whereas with women it's seen as a huge taboo and a huge deviation from who it is we should be as these ideal feminine coy creatures yeah. you know even just recognizing it as a woman just being like either you're like well i'm a woman i don't get addicted to porn or it's like i'm a woman i'm a allowed this i'm i'm obtaining my own sexuality i'm like empowering myself because this is something that women shouldn't be doing so it's like you can't fucking win it's it's all about uh, like like you said doing a deep deep dive and asking yourself why are you doing this is it is it interfering with your your life and your relationships and the way that you gain pleasure and masturbate and escape yeah yeah how would you recommend if somebody thinks they have a porn addiction how would you recommend or what would you recommend to try and stop that addiction from interfering or reacting with their lives or for, for them trying to take control of it I think the first thing is find someone, at least one person you can be honest with. It could be a professional. It could be someone in your life. Break that barrier of shame. Because I think a lot of whether you're a woman or a man, it can often, or a person, you can feel very ashamed of the fact that you have found yourself in this dark hole called pornography yeah. addiction. And I think that's the shame is the first thing that will stop you from climbing out of it because not only now are you burdened with life, especially if you're using pornography as an escape mechanism, you're also now burdened with your own shame and embarrassment. And now all you're going to be able to do is go to porn for a release. And it's going to just, it's going to mess with your mind. And so find someone you can be honest with and someone who is going to be like, you know what, this doesn't decrease your value, but it does mean that we need to get you help. And I'm going to be on this journey with you. And the second thing is accept that it's going to be a journey. And so it's not, yeah. you know, you might end up, you may end up watching porn next week. You may end up watching porn in nine months time still, you know, but as long as you're kind of 
clawing back and allowing yourself to kind of have those moments where you're like, I know why I'm doing this. I know why I need Mm. to get clean or I know why I need to stop. Um, Mm -hmm. And just reminding yourself of those desires and the person that you actually want to be. And then actually put the practical things in place, accountability, put some locks on your phone, put some password protections, stop yourself Mm -hmm. from like going on your phone late at night, sleep without a device in your room. Um, Like all these things, which are sometimes trial and error, but require your effort to actually practically stop you from going to these websites. Do you think you can ever have a healthy relationship with porn after being addicted to it? Because obviously most things that people get addicted to, they do have to cut out. Like people go sober, basically. Yeah, I think I, for me personally, I, I don't. I think that similarly, like when you, you asked that question, my mind went to, okay, alcoholics, you know, drug abusers, they just, I mean, no one's going to be like, no, have like a milligram of coke or whatever the dosage is, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. You haven't had it in six months. It's all right. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I mean, they yeah, do. Uh, yeah, we but, do. but if, <laughs> But even with that, it's like, well, then are you ever really off the the hamster wheel? You know, if you're just, if it's just turning slower, you're not really off it. It's just turning slower. Yeah. So I I personally Mm -hmm. think you kind of just have to cut it out, especially if you know you are somebody who can latch onto things or you have latched onto this in the past. What is really there stopping you from latching on? Because nine-year-old me had, didn't have an addiction and yet they found themselves 10 years later being able, unable to let go of this thing they had found. And so I think it's important to be honest with yourself about realistically, if someone gave you an inch, would you take a mile? And the majority of us would. You're right. You do have to just cut it out because you are using it for the wrong reasons. And because you have, it's very unlikely that you're ever going to see it in a different way. Exactly. Taking a step back from sex helped me to see that I was entertaining a lot of relationships, which I had no business being in with people who were really damaging my self-esteem, but I was cloud, my judgment was clouded um, Mm -hmm. as well as I was not a great person to other people. You know, people were very very much, not even in a sexual context, people were very much objects for my own gain. You know, yeah, it's hard to admit as well. So yeah, yeah. And I started to realize I'm kind of a bad person, but also not just being a bad person. I'm also a very hurt person. I have a lot of undealt with pain. Yeah. You weren't a bad person. You were a hurt person. A hurt person. Yeah. But also the hurt had made me into a bit of a bad person. Like it was, it was at some some point I was like, yeah, I'm I'm doing a bit. No, No, literally like it was quite bad. And I had to be honest with myself. And I was like, you know what? You have reasons for why you were that way. Um, Mm -hmm. But now we have to, now you have to take responsibility for your healing. And that's the journey that celibacy allowed me uh, to go on. It was not easy. And, you know, deciding that you want to be celibate is one thing deciding that you want to be celibate and not masturbate and not watch pornography is another yeah that's why yeah and I slipped up so many times and mm-hmm. I was like going through and I think that's another thing people are kind of like oh but don't you just feel guilt and shame around sex I also think my faith journey has allowed for me to appreciate what sex actually is and how beautiful mm. it can actually be and I think that was one of the pains I had becoming a Christian because I felt convicted by my faith but I was also like Christians make sex sound like such a bad thing and I enjoy it. Am I going to be a heathen forever? Yeah. Like, am I going to have to be celibate forever? Like, I yeah, can't it's like, know. Am I, I can... going to hell? Everything's telling yeah, me hell. Yeah, you no, know, please. literally like, no, no, no. But that's a legitimate conversation. And that's why I think a lot mm. of women of faith were appreciative that I had that conversation because we're yeah. growing up in circles, which unfortunately have told us because of misunderstanding and ignorance that sexual feelings to be aroused is sinful. And I was like, no, that's actually not true. Like the God that I've dedicated my life to created sex. And created yes, intimacy and pleasure, and, yes, pleasure and yes. created the, the the female anatomy to the point where we we have clitorises and clitorises are purely for pleasure. There is no yeah. other function of a clitoris but to be pleasure. And so yeah. even in understanding that, okay, I need to, even outside of the church, reconstruct my relationship with sex around what God says about it and not just the lies and the myths mm-hmm. that I have been fed either by porn or by church as well yeah Yeah. wow yeah it's like literally the other side of the spectrum Mm -hmm. 
Facts. You've done like so the it was, whole. It was kind of on this. Yeah, it was. It, I, like I said, it's been like seven years. I've been thinking for those seven years. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking, pondering, trying to keep my fingers in the right places, and mm-hmm. um, it's been it's been a beautiful journey. It's been one that has drawn me closer to understanding um, my faith better, to having a, a way better relationship with other people, but also the relationship that I have with God and my faith in general has seen me through so many challenges mm-hmm. and. And um, it has been a huge part as to why I do the work that I do now in helping other women, not just with their sexuality, but with their holistic well-being. And so I'm very thankful for my faith. And I think it has been understanding that sex is beautiful, but it can also be sacrificed has been it's been awesome for me. How do you feel having like not masturbated and not had sex after kind of knowing what it was like? You know what? It's so funny because... I used to think my life's going to be over. Like I'm never going <laughs> to yeah, experience, yeah. I'm never going to yeah. experience joy again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we mis- misunderstand as joy is actually ecstasy. And I think I mm-hmm. realized that yes, life is full of as many moments of ecstasy, but I still have joy. Mm. I still have fulfillment, but even more, I, I now have freedom from pain. Um, and this thing that I was using wasn't actually medicating it was masking and the pain was still there even though I felt fulfilled I was still very much hurt and now I actually don't have as much pain as I used to you don't need ecstasy you don't need you know you don't need why would you take morphine if you're not in pain you know, mm-hmm. you don't need it. You can actually live without it. And would you get the same high as being on morphine? No, but life is not yeah. meant to be lived constantly being high all the time. It's so interesting hearing your story. Cause I think that like, even though obviously a lot of our listeners, most of our listeners are not going to be going celibate anytime soon. I think everyone can learn something from this though. And the, the things that you've spoken about, um, just like finding the joy in other things that isn't just sex and like making sure you're putting time into family and friends, like, because ultimately those are some of the most important relationships in your life. And sex does not rule everything. I think feel like that's like such a great like lesson and moral of this podcast, <laughs> the moral of this podcast <laughs> episode. Courtney, it's been so incredible having you on. Thank you thank so much you for being for so honest me. and open. Yeah, and it's been amazing. Can you tell our listeners where to find you? Yes, you can find me on YouTube. Just search my name, Courtney Daniela Boating. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at CD Boating. Um, but you can also listen to me every week on the Two My Sisters podcast, yes. which is available on all podcast streaming platforms and on YouTube. I co-host it with my best friend and it's just honest and transparent conversations about the holistic wellness and growth of women all around the world. Incredible. That's amazing. And I'm going to definitely get the book. March yes, please. March out. 9th, March 9th, but it's available yes. to pre-order now on yes, Amazon. I'm Just search To My Sisters or To My Sisters, a guide to building lifelong friendship and you will find yeah. it. Beautiful. It's it it literally our, our heart's work. Thank you. Thank oh, you for having yes. me. Thank you for having me on. Honestly, like I was so excited to be featured once, once we met um, on Unapologetic hey. Read. I was like, yes. I don't know what it is, but I love this girl so much. And so, yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm so appreciative. No, I, <laughs> I know, right? I can um, tell you yeah. some people, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I am not one of them. I am not <laughs> one of them. You two have now become my online sisters too. So thank Yay, you for all the work you're doing doing with the podcast um continue to have these you know really as controversial as it may be just continue to have these conversations that we can all have conversations birthed out of so um yeah really really appreciate you too curious fuckers if you enjoyed this episode please do leave a rating and review spread it with all your friends if you in particular love this episode share this episode with your friends if you think that they have any any issues with porn at all or addictions in general of course the best thing you can do for us is shout it on your socials post the links share it around and of course you can tag us at come curious as well as our personal accounts read amber x and florence bark and you will hear us next thursday or see us next thursday 
In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. <laughs> 